Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. But not this week. Well, this week we're doing a double heater, and I've got my co-host back. She's back out of retirement. We haven't seen you in some time. How are you, Stacey? What are you talking about? I'm not here for one day, and it feels like a century. You've been replaced by an Australian almost. <laughs> Unlikely. Well, you did get to miss a couple of movies that you probably never would ever want to go see, didn't you? Yes, exactly. My plan is working. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. So you missed Halloween, you missed Venom, (laughs) and now you're back to do Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. That's right. And why are we doing two films? Um... Because we're trying to make up for the fact that we did Tag and I Feel Pretty and those movies sucked. (laughs) <laughs> well, oh. Tag was alright, wasn't it? But I Feel Pretty was a monumental dumpster fire of a turd wrapped in poop. But yes, anyway, to make up for it, we've decided to do the two films, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. And uh, yeah, we flipped a coin to see which one would go first. And the oldest one of the two esteemed gentlemen, Shaun of the Dead, is going to go first. So if you're planning on sitting at home and not watching this film in preparation for this podcast and generally want to know what the movie's about, Stacey's going to hit us with a plot. So what's the plot of the film Shaun of the Dead? Stacy. Sean, played by Simon Pegg, is a 30-something-year-old loser. Wrong. We find out in the movie he's 29. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anywho. Sean is a 29-year-old loser with a dull, <laughs> easy existence. <Nerd>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the face of shut the fuck up, Sam. Okay. Sean, played by Simon Pegg, is a 29-year-old loser with a dull, easy existence. When he's not working at the electronics store, he lives with his slovenly best friend, Ed, played by Nick Frost. In a small flat on the outskirts of London, when the town is inexplicably overrun with zombies, Sean must rise to the occasion and protect both his girlfriend Liz and his mother. That's sort of how we met. You know, I was a 30-something-year-old never getting off the couch doing anything and then we got attacked by zombies and now look where we are yeah i actually this is why i find this movie relatable because oh, i've got a useless best friend <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm just waiting for you to grow up and you're waiting for the zombies to turn up <laughs> No comment, but fair enough. Anywho, uh, IMDb, 7.9 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, sitting at 92%. Metacritic being the um, pretentious arsehole that it is, coming in at 76%. Stacey, what would you give this film as a score out of 10,000 uh, flying records? 8,148. That's a great score. I really liked it, eh? Yeah, it's a great movie. Easy watch. And being my first zombie movie, it didn't completely put me off. I'm going to echo that. It's a favourite of mine. I'm going to give it 8,912. <laughs> Pretty high scores there from us. So, yeah, as I said at the start of the podcast, what we normally do is we review a movie asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. But because we're doing two films, we're going to give them 10 questions each. Questions that we can apply to any movie. So, fairly generic. But, uh, yeah, we're going to pound through them, take turns asking them, and we're both going to answer them. First up, it's our usual. It's the compliment sandwich. So, Stacey, why don't you tell me one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film? Okay, so, first good thing is... It's original. It was my first zombie movie, and I didn't entirely hate it. No, it's definitely not based on Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, okay, sweet. Continue. Yeah. My bad thing is, as the movie goes on, some of the zombie jokes and things just get a little bit tired. There's a little bit of recycling going on, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we know there's zombies everywhere. Right. With that said, it's still a funny movie. Well, it's funny you mention that, because my good thing literally is that the jokes get recycled, but I feel like they're earned. (laughs) 
What? Yeah, I do. I like you know you got red on your shirt. Uh, there's that bit at the start where they're playing PlayStation. It's like up there, left, shoot, reload, onto it, all that sort of stuff. We later see the same thing in the Winchester pub. Uh, at the start, when his best friend farts and says, "Sorry, Sean," he's like, "What? Oh God, oh, disgusting!" And then we see it at the end too, where he's about to die, and he says, "Sorry, Sean." He's like, "Why? Why are you? Pl- oh, yuck! Oh, gross!" There's a bit at the start too where Sean goes to Ed, oh, I don't really know what to do. And then Ed basically says, you know, we'll start off with Bloody Mary, a few bites at the king's head, blah, 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 end up at the Winchester. And that's actually the plot of the film. We start with a Mary in the back garden who gets bloodied and then bite at the king's head is basically his dad getting bitten by a zombie. And it continues on, he ends up with a few shots of the Winchester, which is basically him with a Winchester rifle in the Winchester pub, taking shots at zombies. I thought that was amazingly clever. Yes, it is clever. And you know what's even better is when someone doesn't tell you that at the start of the movie before you've even seen anything. (laughs) (laughs) If there's any great film out there that you've heard you really are going to enjoy and really want to watch, don't watch it with me. Chances are I've seen it. I'm going to ruin this shit out of it for you. (laughs) Bad thing, clutching at straws here, but this made me not like Baby Driver a little bit. There's one great scene in the middle of it where Sean leaves his flat there's a zombie apocalypse happening. He doesn't even realise it. He walks down. There's all the shit happening in the background. Goes into the office, picks up a couple of items, turns around to come back. It's one long tracking shot. And it's, it reminded me of Baby Driver. And then I was like, holy shit, Edgar Wright's ripping off his own stylistic choices from earlier films in order to keep himself cool or popular or relevant or something. I just, yeah. Hey, I love that scene too, but I don't see how that's a bad thing. Every director has their own style. Would you say that about Quentin Tarantino? Yes. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's really unique and interesting. I'm literally crutching at straws. You know that, eh? Like, I really enjoy this film, and if that's the worst thing I can take out of it, then that's relatively minor. Final good thing for me is just the comedy works on so many levels. It's so dumb, but at the same time, it's so smart. We go on this warrior's journey with Sean. He starts off, he's useless, he loses his missus, all that sort of shit. But by the end, he's overcome and he's got his missus back. And it's great. Like, it's an adventure story wrapped up with a horror movie that's supposedly a comedy. That's what I loved about it was the amount of layers that this film has. Yeah, I totally agree. How sweet of you. Now, what's question number two, Stacey? What item from this film would you want or definitely not want to be? Question coming courtesy of one of our favourite people in the world, Mr. Phil Joynson, who's our, one of our premier Patreons, gives us five bucks and make sure that his question is in our show every week. Now, what thing from this film would I definitely not want to be? I would definitely not want to be Sean's record collection. Not only does it consist of the Batman soundtrack, but it ends up getting uh, flung at zombies and smashing into a million pieces. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going with something else that they had in their flat, and that is Ed's PlayStation controller. That thing is like gripped by sweaty paws 24-7 when he's alive and when he's dead. There would be a lot of different types of DNA sampling on that controller, I'd say. (laughs) Exactly. Probably glow up like a Christmas tree if you shined a UV light on it. Uh, (laughs) Like the rest of the couch that he's sleeping on. Okay, Sace, next question. What quote from this film would be the worst thing to say immediately after you finish having sex? This is a line that Sean says partway through the movie. Mum... He touched me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, honey. Yeah, that would be a really bad time to say that, wouldn't it? I'm just going with the most common line that's said throughout the film, which is, you've got red on you. <laughs> okay, Sam, question four. If you were a recruitment consultant, what job would this movie be suitable for? I am going to go with a modern magician. Oh, 
Oh, yes. Why a modern magician? Think like Dynamo, one of these other magicians that have come out now. Because for me, magicians became very stagnant. You know, I saw a lady in half or escape from a box. Really common, boring shit. And for me, that's what happened to the zombie film genre. It became incredibly boring. When it started off in the 60s and 70s, it had a lot to say about modern culture. By the time it got up to 80s, 90s and all that sort of stuff, it lost a lot of steam. This movie reinvigorated it. So much so, and this probably could be my bad thing, it started spawning all these like Walking Dead and all this other shitty zombie movies that we've had come out. Really? Mm. I think it injected a hot load of fuzzy stuff into the zombie movie genre. Seeing if you, <laughs> yeah, you picked up on it. Yay. And uh, yeah, I think we're getting what we're getting today. What about you? Well, with that many dead people, what job would this movie be better suited for than a mortician? <laughs> That is true. It is packed full of dead people. It is. Good work, Stace. Moving on to question number five, one of our old favourites. What would the porn parody name of this film be? Well, it's got to be Shaun of the Head Jobs. Oh, damn it. You're so amazingly close to mine. Mine was Shaun of the Giving Head. (laughs) I actually think these movies don't really need porn parody names. How about this one? Shaun of the Spread. Oh. (laughs) And moving right along. Question number six, Sam, are you ready? Yes. Question number six coming courtesy of our other favourite patron in the world, Emily Higgins, host of the Tasteless Podcast in which she compares two movies, one that everybody loves and she says is uh, good, and then one everyone hates and she thinks is awesome. What's her question, Stacey? What other film would be the best or worst to watch as a doubleheader? I am going to go with its American equivalent that they... Yeah, they revitalized the genre a little bit. Not as much as this film, but it's still a bloody funny zombie horror comedy movie. And that is Zombieland. It's honestly is the Death Star port to my argument that Jesse Eisenberg is the shittiest actor in the world. That is the movie that I really enjoy him in. Wow, okay. That's interesting. Not to mention Woody Harrelson fucking rocks it. And Bill Murray is Bill Murray. He is awesome. Well, I think a great movie to watch as a doubleheader with Shaun of the Dead is exactly what we did, Hot Fuzz. Oh, there's the easy answer, but it's a good one. Well, it is it is easy, but they go so well together. And you know why I think they're good to watch? I think you should watch Shaun of the Dead first and then Hot Fuzz because you can see the evolution of the actors, the, the writing. You can see the evolution and the quality kind of just goes up and it's yeah it's quite cool to see that too yeah. artificial trilogy it's called the cornetto trilogy oh yes the third one is the world's end which isn't all that good but uh, yeah it was made a little bit later and i think they sort of lost a bit of steam gone their own separate ways they should have kept at it but third yeah. movies and series are never usually that good anyway yeah unless you're for ragnarok uh <laughs> isn't that the fourth no that's the third oh, okay i just say it like four because i can't pronounce the th yeah i know that did you know I'm making a sequel, Four Square Rangiora? <laughs> little joke for New Zealanders that are listening. <laughs> so that moves us on to question number seven. Which character from this film just clearly needs to get laid? It's Sean. He just got dumped. Boo-hoo. What's Liz up to? <laughs> I'm going to go with Sean's flatmate, Pete. He's <laughs> angry and uptight and he just doesn't really look like he likes to let his hair down. And then he dies pretty quickly. I sort of feel sorry for him. Yeah. That, and I'm also going to, because we probably don't have another chance to talk about him, I'm going to go with Rafe Spall's character, the kid that works at Sean's work, that's like an arrogant little shithead and is like texting and stuff. 
Rafe Spall in this movie looks like he's about 15, 16. He does! And then in Hot Fuzz, three years later, he looks 40. Yes! What the The most rapid transformation of any actor I've ever seen. What happened to Rafe Spall? Well, Shaun of the Dead, maybe. (laughs) Is he just coating himself in chicken hormones or something? I don't know. I'm trying to come up with how people age overnight. It's ridiculous. Question eight. How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? So as we sort of mentioned, the entire zombie apocalypse unfolds in the background. Sean isn't really noticing that uh, everything's turned to shit, that cars are on fire and all that sort of stuff. The news reports are all reporting about how there's been a zombie apocalypse. I would have loved for CNN, international news, just set in America, and, you know, Sean walks off to talk to Ed or something like that. And in the background, we see live reporter Nicolas Cage (laughs) running from the zombie apocalypse, just fleeing, (laughs) screaming in terror. They're after me! I'm a zombie! I'm a zombie! I'm a zombie! (laughs) (laughs) Moving on from Vampire's Kiss to become the zombie Nicolas Cage, that's how I'd love to have seen the man, the myth, the legend that is Nick Cage. That's a wonderful role for him. Top that, Mother Hubbard. Well, speaking of mothers... I believe that Nick Cage would, would have made a great hubby for Sean's mum. Ooh, poor Sean's mum. Yeah, Sean didn't never really got on, you know, it was his stepdad kind of scenario, and they clearly never really got on, and I just think that would be a great role for Nick. Fair enough, fair enough. Question number nine, what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Put it simply, it's should I stay or should I go? Why would you, you're told to stay inside, but then Sean turns up at Liz's place, say you're in Liz's shoes, and he's like, no, no, you can't stay. They're going to come up here and get you. We've got to go. That makes no sense whatsoever, but they go. It's just such a hard decision. I don't really know much about zombies. It would be scary to be trapped in your house with zombies pouring at your windows and doors and bashing them down. But equally, it would be bloody scary being outside amongst them. For me, it's very similar. For me, it is very similar. And that's whether or not I would go out to rescue my loved ones. (laughs) Like, I don't want to sound like an arsehole, but it's like the person drowning principle. Like, you you swim out to save someone who's drowning, Mm -hmm. they probably end up drowning you. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with this. You go out to try and save someone, you know, you might do them more harm than good. And I don't know if I could live with myself if that had happened. But, you know, like that being said, if mum was in trouble, I'd go rescue you. Shout out to my mum. <laughs> Not that she's going to ever I'm, listen to this. I'm glad. But I'd, you, I'd go and save you, mum. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> that brings us down to the final question for this round. What top 10 list would you put this movie on? I would have this on the top 10 list of films where a character dies and you don't really get that upset that they die, even though you quite like them. Like the, this, At the heart of this, this is a zombie film and people have to die. And it's quite sad when his mum dies and the others die and his friend dies and all that sort of stuff. But a part of me is like, yeah, but they sort of need to. Yeah, because there wouldn't be any zombies. What the? If f- nobody died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Man, I've missed you and your complete tangents that you run on these films. No, but I'm meaning like they, they need to die in order for it to sort of progress the story. Similar to Obi-Wan needs to die in order for Star Wars to progress. Sort of Similar to all of them need to die at the end of Infinity War in order for that film to hang have on, the emotional on. punch that it has. Back up the truck. In order for Star Wars... I'm not Wars driving a to- truck. <laughs> 
in order for Star Wars to progress, yes, they need a whole new writing team. I'm sorry, Obi-Wan Kenobi did not progress that story. Star Wars, the original Star Wars film. When did Obi-Wan Kenobi die? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he died in the first Star Wars movie that ever came out, episode four, <laughs> A New Hope. Okay, cancel that. I'm thinking of the recent one, and it wasn't Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's, what's his name? Ben. Luke. Oh, Luke. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So, the top 10 list I'd put this movie on is top 10 relatable zombie movies. I'm guessing that's a short top 10 list. I think that might be a top one list for you, is it? (laughs) There may be others, I just haven't seen them yet. So, it's relatable because as we've already discussed, I'm in the same shoes as Liz here. I just want my boyfriend to grow up. (laughs) You've got a husband? Oh, my husband. Just want my husband to grow up and he just wants... Things to get weird. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we weren't allowed to talk about our sex life on the podcast. (laughs) I wasn't. (laughs) That sums it up and that moves us on. That's the end of uh, discussion on Chill on the Dead. Do you feel like there's anything that we need to touch on? or Do you recommend that the average non-nerdy film goer like yourself, do you reckon they should watch this film? Yes, I think so. did give it a high score, so I wouldn't be quite surprised if uh, you said no. And that moves us on to the next film, which is, yeah, as we mentioned, Hot Fuzz. IMDb have this at 7.9 out of 10, the exact same score as uh, Shaun of the Dead. Rotten Tomatoes have this at 91%, 1% less than uh, Shaun of the Dead. And Metacritic, the film snobbery that it is, actually has it higher than Shaun of the Dead. They're at 81%. What would you give Hot Fuzz as a score out of 10,000 double-barrel shotguns? 8,942. Oh, better than Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I would give this whatever I gave Shaun of the Dead. I can't remember what it was. uh, (laughs) 8,969? Really? You can't differentiate between the two. You think they're evenly scored. Evenly scored. It's it's funny because when we watched Hot Fuzz, which we watched first, I remember thinking, oh, this is way better than Shaun the Dead. This is awesome. And then when I watched Shaun the Dead, no, this is just as good. Anyway, I'm going to give you guys the plot of the movie since you did it last time, if people aren't planning on watching the film. So as a former London constable, Nicholas Angel, played by Sean Pegg, finds it difficult to adapt to his new assignment in the sleepy British village of Sandford. Not only does he miss the excitement of the big city, but he also has a well-meaning oaf, Nick Frost, for a partner. <laughs> However, when a series of grisly accidents rock Sanford, Nick smells something rotten in the idyllic village. Ooh. It's such a great film. But we'll probably talk about that in our compliment sandwich, won't we? One thing good, one thing bad, one thing good. We will. You can start us off. The first good thing, it's very quotable. Yes. There are lots of funny lines. Just love that British sense of humour. It's just so funny. The bad thing, man, it was hard for me to find a bad thing. I actually don't think I have one. Holy shit. Yep, no bad thing this week. And the final good thing is it's got a snappy pace. This has got to be one of the first movies that we've watched together since we've known each other, where I didn't (laughs) want to leave halfway through, pause for a break, or just plain out want to go to bed. So that means must have been entertaining and fast-flowing enough for me to remain engaged. Yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, Spoiler alert for those at home, but uh, quite often we just literally watch about half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour of movie, to which (laughs) Stacey goes... I'm tired, and then proceeds to go to bed. 
It's quite funny when it's not, uh, what, 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning and you have to watch a movie for a podcast and at about 11.30, Stacey goes, I'm tired, and then goes back to bed and then wakes up at four in the afternoon. We're like, come on, we need to watch the rest of this movie. I'm tired. Half an hour later, she's on her way back to bed and that was the weekend that Stacey slept 19 hours out of 24 hours on a Saturday. <laughs> there you go. That's a good cure for insomnia, insomnia people. Just start watching movies. <laughs> movies you don't really want to watch that your boyfriend's forcing you to watch for a podcast. Yeah, we have to think of questions and answers. We're going to put Ambien out of business. We've solved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Sam. Why don't you tell us what your compliment sandwich is? First of all, for me, it's generally surprising. I literally thought, here we go, this is like a comedy movie that's a bit of a mystery thriller and that's how it's going to go play out. And then the third act just turns into a balls-to-the-wall action movie <laughs> where everybody and their mums are packing. <laughs> it's funny you say that because on IMDb they have this as a drama parody film as the genre, but then on Rotten Tomatoes it's action comedy. So it's a drama parody action comedy movie. Yep. Yeah, that sums it up. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad thing, similar to you clutching at straws, even the, the worst parts about this, like even the bit roles that were filled by lesser-known actors, and that's the other thing we've got to point out here, is that some of the bit roles are just filled by superstar actors. Kate Blanchett plays a role, uh, you don't even see her face, she's like one of the um, crime scene investigators, like the CSI team. Peter Jackson plays a Santa Claus that stabs Nick Angel through the hand. <laughs> Stephen Merchant plays a Mr. Piss Taker, Mr. P.I. Staker, who's lost a goose. You know, Martin Freeman shows up, Bill Nighy shows up, Steve Coogan shows up. It's ridiculous. Like, then there's, there's a couple of other little tiny roles that literally aren't that well acted. And I think that's because they've got amazing other actors filling in the small roles. Mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman, Patty Constantine, Bill Bailey, some of them, and Rafe Spall, who's undergone his rapid aging process <laughs> to play one of the other Andes. it's ridiculous they're just they're awesome but still yeah there's one or two like i think the um you know the guy that's banging the girl in the theater or something i don't know it's it's hard i'm clutching straws i'm just gonna if i keep talking i'm just gonna get stupider so i'll just move on to the good thing wow you're amazed you've discovered that <laughs> yes it's taken me 36 years, but I've worked out the longer I talk, the more stupider I sound. Uh, so the other really good thing that I like about this film is the friendship between the two leads, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, it feels organic. They literally know each other for a couple of days. And usually in these buddy cop films, you're like, you two wouldn't hang out. Or you're not that good of friends. This is ridiculous. But as their friendship grows, it feels organic and it just it makes sense. Yeah, it's because they're very cleverly written parts and they end up kind of needing each other. So Nick yes. Angel, even though he's from the city, he needs the local knowledge and the kind of approach that his that Nick Frost's character brings to the table. And I'll just point out that Stacey seems to be reading off my sheet because that was my next point I wrote down. <laughs> Nick sort of elevates Danny to become a better police officer. Whereas Danny sort of levels Nick, you know, he actually gets him having a beer and getting drunk and watching shitty action movies and watching awesome action films. It's it's great. They level each other out and they become a great dynamic duo. They absolutely do. Okay, what's question number two? What item from this film would you definitely want to or not want to be? So I'm imagining I am being built in this idyllic little English village. You know, the carpenters are in there, they're making me, I'm being designed. I'm wondering what sort of shape I'm going to take, and I discover one day I'm a theatre. And I'm like, wow, I'm a theatre in England. This is great. I'm going to have these amazing Shakespearean plays performed in me, and people are going to cry and laugh and have the time of their lives. 
oh, no, no, fuck that. I'm going to have one of the shittiest plays you've ever seen performed in me. So I'm going to have to sit there for the entire time watching these goddamn awful people act in the shitty play, and at the end of it, I then have people come along and mock bloody occurrence inside of me. I don't want people doing shitty things inside of me. Oh, I don't think anyone does. (laughs) How did you make that so gross? Don't look at me like that, pal. I had no intention behind that. That was a legitimate conversation. Well, I would not want to be the backyard fences that Nick and Danny, well, Nick jumps over and Danny just plows straight into and <laughs> smashes into smithereens. <laughs> That's not fun. Yeah, so thanks again for your question for that last one, Phil Joynton. But uh, next up, what quote from this film would be the worst thing to say immediately after you finish having sex? So this is one of Nick Angel's lines. You're a doctor, deal with it. Oh, gross. I know, deal with what? (laughs) No, don't elaborate. It's okay. Uh, The one I'm going to go with is, it's right, Andy. It's just bolognese. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that brings us on to question four. If you were a recruitment consultant, what job would this movie be suitable for? It starts off building the pace, building the tempo, a lot of flair and flash about it. It's really good and entertaining. And then it finishes with one hell of a big bang. That's why I'm going to go with a cheerleader. Because that's exactly what a cheerleader's routine is. Get the crowd involved, get everyone hyped up, finish with a big bang. Okay, so as I mentioned in my compliment sandwich, I found the pace quite snappy and it was entertaining and in good cheer, but still quite hard working. So that's why I think this movie would be good to be a supermarket manager on Christmas Eve. Holy shit, that's very oddly specific. It is oddly specific, (laughs) isn't it? Okay, so question number five. What would the porn parody name for this film be? Hot and Fuzzy. And it's up to you what porn porn is like. I've got two and I'm going to roll both of them out and see which one gets a better reaction from you. Hot Jizz. Mm. Hot Fuzz. Sea Balls. Z-balls. Hot fuzzy balls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think even Hot Fuzz needs a parody name. Hot Fuzz. Mm. <laughs> Question six. What other film would be either the best or the worst to go in a double header with this film? I'm going to go with another Simon Pegg film that I think is underappreciated. I think more people should watch, and that is the film Man Up. That, was, that is a good film. It's a romantic comedy, and sure, it's not directed by Edgar Wright, but it's a really good film. It's got like Bell in it, plays a guy who basically is going on a blind date. And when he goes to meet the girl that he's supposed to be on the blind date with, he ends up meeting up with the wrong girl. And the wrong girl just goes with it. And mm. then they have one of the most craziest dates you've ever seen. It's, it's just good. It's just a really good film. I think more people should see it. I really enjoyed it. It's a nice, fun comedy to watch after this. Okay, I'm going to go with a bad matchup in this double header. Woo, 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 woo. I do not think that watching Hot Fuzz... And The Departed in one sitting will work. Why is that? (laughs) Hi, I'm trying not to do my favourite Boston accent. (laughs) I think... I'm the guy that does the job. You must be the other guy. (laughs) Actually, maybe it would be a good double header. I think it would be bad because... (laughs) That was terrible. They just come at policing 
from totally different angles. <laughs> this is, would be so contrasting. Watching The Departed after having a fun time like Hot Fuzz would just be so depressing and a big downer. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that one. Question number seven, what character from this film just clearly needs to get laid? Oh, well, it's Nick, isn't it? That's why he got sent to the country. What, so he could what, shag a farmer's wife? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but it's kind of hard to get laid in the country. Like I'd say it's more hard to get laid with humans in the country than it is to get laid with humans in the city, you know? Well, okay, maybe that's not why he was sent, but he just clearly needs... No, I agree with you. He seems a bit pent up and frustrated. He's probably one that needs to get laid. But I'll tell you one that needs to get laid more than that. And that is Olivia Coleman's character of PC Doris Thatcher. There's a single duber on Tondra going during this film. She jumps on it. A duber, a duber on Tondra. <laughs> a duber on Tondra. Something that has a double meaning. I mean, she's got a million quotes, but I think one of the funniest ones for me was right at the end when uh, Nicholas Angel actually turned around on her and said, "You don't mind a bit of manpower, do you, Doris?" To which she replied, "Oh, dirty bastard." <laughs> Yes, she's always got it on her mind, obviously. Nothing like a bit of girl on girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question eight. How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? I wouldn't. What? I don't want to sully this film with Nicolas Cage. I'm sorry, but there's absolutely no role for him. Unless... Fine, I found one. Kate Blanchett, as I said, plays a masked and costumed CSI agent, forensic specialist, whatever. We don't actually see that it's Kate Blanchett. We just get to see her eyes. Later find out that she's moved on. She's got a new boyfriend. Imagine if that was Nicolas Cage covered in a CSI outfit. <laughs> Disguised. <laughs> tricky, tricky, tricky. Well, I think he could have a small role where we do see his face and he could be the police commander in, in London. The one who sends Nick off, sends Nick <laughs> off into the country. <laughs> don't know why Nick off is so funny, but I think we might need to go to bed soon. Is that what they're trying to convey to me at the moment? Yeah, so he sends Nick off into the country to get out of his hair, basically. I think he'd do good at that scene. Cool. Okay, so question number nine. What deep philosophical debate arose in you while watching this film? Here's a continuum. At one end, you've got... Nick Angel follows all the rules, works to the highest standard, wants to work up the corporate ladder and do the best that he can. He's too good of a police officer. He's just too good of a police officer and that's his whole mantra about life. Fast-paced, action, prepared for anything, just goes all out. And then at the other end of the continuum, very, very far away, you've got all of the villagers and the local police and they don't really care about procedure. They just care about having cream buns at morning tea time and, you know, looking after their the local grocery store owners' teenage kids and making sure they don't get arrested, but they get home safely. You oh, know? the ones that are out drinking and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 that's right. And so, meanwhile, they're letting the little stuff slide, but that doesn't mean they're focusing on the big stuff. Because big stuff is happening, and they're letting that slide as well. So, so it's one extreme to another, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my philosophical debate is, why is there nobody anywhere near the centre of this continuum? But maybe, as you mentioned earlier, that's where the bromance comes in, and the buddy cop thing, they bring each other closer to the centre. She just did the interlocking hands gesture. <laughs> Me, it's, would I kill my entire village if I found out they were all evil? I mean, I actually grew up in a small town. And if I found out they were all evil and needed to die, yes, I'd probably <laughs> go on a rampage. Aside from all my real close friends, shout out to all my boys that listen to this. But uh, yeah, 
that's my deep philosophical debate. If I found out everyone I knew was evil and killing people and murdering people, how bad would I feel about uh, killing them myself or getting, you know, upholding the law like Nick does? Mm. And to finish us off, what top 10 list would you put this movie on? I'm going to go over the top 10 films where I legitimately had no idea who the murderer was. <gasps> That's a big call because you always know. Yes, as someone who often picks apart, you know, well, I've seen so many of them. I've seen so many thrillers where it's like, oh, I wonder who the bad guy is. Admittedly, I did think that Timothy Dalton's character was going to be, you know, the, the shop owner. I was like, he, he's clearly telegraphed himself as being the villain. I didn't realise it was all the rest of them. I didn't realise it was the entire <laughs> town. That one flummoxed me. That little old ladies with bloody, you know, hanker. Yeah, yep. I think that's the genius of it, isn't it? So, yeah, what about you, Stace? I would just put this on the top ten list of 2007 drama, parody, action, comedy movies. <laughs> Again, Stacey's come up with a list of which there is one entry of that she's seen. <laughs> hey, you don't know that. There might be others. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's not others out there. Yeah, exactly. So get number one. Well, that takes us down to the end of our podcast. And unfortunately for you, Stacey, there is a bonus round of which we uh, ask you a few couple of questions. So are you ready? Yes. First up, have you ever fired two guns while jumping through the air? <laughs> no. Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Ever been in a high-speed pursuit? No, I've never been in a high-speed pursuit. Have you ever fired a gun while in a high-speed pursuit? I've never fired a gun in a high-speed <laughs> pursuit. Now, have you watched any action movies? Yes. What about Lethal Weapon? No. You've seen Die Hard, though? Yes. Bad Boys 2? I don't think so. You ain't seen Bad Boys 2? <laughs> I've seen the first one. <laughs> there we go. That was a suggestion by one of our other Patreons, Tara Maholic. She wanted me to make sure that I asked those questions of you. And well done, Stace. You've done pretty well on them. Pretty sure I've seen you jump through the air while firing two guns <laughs> at the same time. And what? In one of your dreams? In one of my fucking nightmares. nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we shouldn't watch The Matrix just before we go to bed. <laughs> Yes, maybe. Maybe that was a bad mistake. Anywho, that takes us to the end of our podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been great fun going through two absolutely awesome comedies. Now, Stacey, if people have enjoyed the show, they want to get in contact with us, they want to let us know what they think or they want to uh, suggest some movies or maybe even become a Patreon, how do people find us on all the interwebs? Go. Best place to find us is Twitter. You can send us tweets at in. You can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Movie Reviews in 20Qs, 20Qs, apostrophe S. Patreon.com forward slash mritqs. You can go on there and for the low, low price of a dollar a month, you'll be able to get all of our back catalogue. You'll be able to get episodes when they're done and ready. No exact date as to when we put them out, but you can get them ahead of time. $5, you can have a question uh, chucked into auto-rotation. And yeah, I mean, just flick us a couple of bucks. It helps us pay for new gear, new equipment. It can sound better and Sam's jokes can be funnier. That's correct. I will uh, (laughs) take that money and I'll pay someone to write some jokes for me. (laughs) I'm sure somebody on, was it Fiverr or one of those websites where you give somebody a couple of bucks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll send some guy in uh, some country that doesn't speak English as a first language and say, hey, can you come up with (laughs) something? Come up with some better jokes for me. Uh, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be charming. I've got to say now, a special big thanks to all of our fans that have been getting in contact with with us recently, tweeting us, sharing us. I mean, that's the that's the thing that we're here to do is basically putting aside the Patreon and all that sort of stuff. What we're really trying to do is make a fun podcast for you guys to listen. So share us with your friends. Tell someone about us. If you know someone who's a movie nerd, you might enjoy us. Share us. Get yeah. involved. 
Yeah, yeah. get involved. Uh, some special episodes that are coming up. Me, Mitch, who's been on a couple of episodes recently, and another one of our friends, Rigby, is going to come on, and she's going to do A Quiet Place. Heard our show, really likes it, wants to come on and do one, so that's going to be exciting. And, shall we announce it? We've got two announce Christmas what? specials coming up. Oh, yes. Christmas time. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, one monumental Christmas episode is going to be me and Stacey, Paul from the Countdown Podcast, Gidget on the Roof from the Retro Cinema, and Daniel from IMDb Journey, and we are going to, all five of us are going to do Die Hard. <laughs> Shit, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then our other, well, we've already mentioned her a couple of times, that's Emily Higgins. We are going to do a Christmas special of our dearest friend, Emily, tossing up between the Grinch and Nightmare Before Christmas. So I'm thinking Nightmare Before Christmas. I haven't really discussed this with Stace. She's looking at me like she doesn't give a shit either way. So yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. But anyway, yeah, that's thanks from me. Thanks. Good night. Hey, babe, did we watch a thing this week? No, we're better than those guys. We watched two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with best. I'm going to go with best. I'm going to oh, say right. the best other I, film. I was like, I've never heard of this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard of best? No. <laughs> oh, that sums it up. And yeah, that that sums it up. And yeah, that means <laughs> Who doesn't want a big bang, a cheerleader? You really need, like, Spanky or Machu (laughs) to be here (laughs) for this to work.